everybody. Welcome to Horror Movie Yearbook. I am Tim. And I'm Willie. Willie, we're back. We are. In the saddle. Back in the saddle again. We're going to be back in the saddle of the time machine here in a minute. We sure are. We took a little bit of a break from the time machine. Yeah. Here's what people, yeah. It's been a bit. It's when fun pe- to journey back, though. What people don't understand about the time machine is if you go in it too much, you become, like, displaced. You you have no anchor. True, yeah. Like, you start to, like, feel like you're, like, a man out of time. You don't know. Like, it's very much like a quantum leap type situation. That explains why my brain's so fuzzy lately, you know? It's uh, <laughs> it's because we, we needed a rest from the time yeah, machine. Yeah, I needed it, you know? I feel but like I've recalibrated. Time travel's like a drug. Ugh, can't get enough. <laughs> We must get back, and we must go back to 1987, which we'll be doing in a second. Yeah. Um, what else we got? Check out our Patreon, patreon.com backslash MidwestPodNet. If you like this podcast, um, you will like our other podcasts, like the Midwest Game Nerds. Yes. Where they talk about video games. <laughs> so, Absolutely. I bet you they're going to be talking about, I saw the Game Awards or tonight. Oh, cool. So I They usually do be- a lot of big like things, like yeah. announcements and... Stuff like that, I think. They're so. busy. They're busy. They're busy boys lately, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. A couple of them got kids running around. Man, this kid thing's really spreading around. <laughs> Everybody's reproducing. It really is. We need to create a new generation of podcasters. Yeah, That's we got to ta- talk about what we're going to do. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that. It's a little housekeeping. Yeah, we'll figure uh, that out. We'll off figure air. it out. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to get some technology that works first. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, uh, I think that's it. Are you, like, what else? You want anything else you want to talk about up top? I don't think so. You ready um, to hop in this? Or? Let's jump right in the time machine, man. I'm All ready. Right. It's been too long. We need that fix. We need a uh, we need a Prince of Darkness style noise for the time machine. It's <laughs> <laughs> not bad. Oh, it keeps going. Mm-hmm. That was, I was so impressed distant, by that, I forgot to take a demon. drink of my water here. Yeah. Kirkland. My cores over here. Yeah. So we're back in October. So this is where Prince of Darkness is what we're going to be talking about. We're October 23rd, 1987. Yes. Good year. Good month. Good month. Yes. Um, What's not to like? What do you want? You want, do you want box office? So do you want movies, music, or TV from mm. this week in October of 1987? Give me the movies first. You want to go movies? Yeah. No, give me the music. Oops. Okay. Sorry. You switch that mind. up on me, yeah. I'm trying to keep you on your toes. That's all right. That's all right. I don't. I don't mind that. I can't help myself. I thought you were gonna pick. I thought you were gonna pick music right away. These are so. I don't know why I picked movies. So anybody who just joined us, this is this is kind of how we do things when we hop in the time machine. We take a look. Of course, we're gonna be talking about Prince of Darkness here in a little bit, but we also like to set the table, get, provide a little context by looking at some of the other entertainment of the time. So this is the Billboard. Hot 100 oh. of October 24th. Hot indeed. That weekend in 1987. So at number 10, oh my God, a Bad Bunny advertisement. You can order. It just popped up like it took over my entire screen as I was reading. Apparently Bad Bunny's like a music superstar. Yes. Like I had never heard of the guy until I saw him on a wrestling yes. show. So. But I guess that's why he's doing wrestling shows. Yeah. So people I'm like sure. us. I'm not smart. Well. I'm not, I'm not, it's not smart. It's I'm not in the know. But the thing is, so, okay, I'm going to stick up a little bit for you here. Okay. 
I appreciate that. A big bunny, a bad bunny is like he's like a musical star. He's like a big star, yeah. and I understand that. But the way entertainment is, unless it's like a Marvel movie or like some huge, like Top Gun, like Maverick, something something that's caught on with everybody that everybody knows, like especially music, it's so segmented. So you're saying is unless it's like in the top ten of something, it's you're not going to hear about it really, right? And it's music yeah. is really tough too because. You can really personalize music now. Yeah, that's true. Like you go to a movie theater, you can avoid like yeah. yeah. You, you go to a movie theater, like you um you see there's ten movies they're playing. Yeah, there's still ten movies they're playing, and you like you know you go on your Apple Music, your Spotify, your YouTube Music, whatever you you use, like you can pretty much tailor your music to what you like. So yeah. if you don't like Bad Bunny's like um Latin style music, sure. like. You, you can um, kind of avoid that. You can you avoid can, like it yeah. never pops up. Like it's never going to. If you're like just listening to straight like uh, Mastodon, you're not going to hear Bad Bunny. Slipknot, probably. Like they're not, your music service is not going to recommend you yeah. a Bad Bunny. There song. are disadvantages to that. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's nice to be able to choose the things that you know that you like, but like you do lose sight of like you miss out on things that you might enjoy that you uh, you know. You there's something. It, so. There's something to be. There's something to be said to being exposed to new. There's a, there's stuff. a nice. Yeah, I miss. I sometimes I miss the discovery of things. Right. You know? So. Yeah. I was. Yeah. I'm a channel flipper, as they say. I used Excellent. to like. It's tough to flip channels in streaming. It's true. Uh, uh, you like because you got to get out of the app and back into the app. I was always a channel flipper, but like I always said, like, well, that exposed me to a lot of new stuff. I don't just like one thing. So. Yeah. The top ten <laughs> billboard. We got distracted by Bad Bunny. But anyway, don't feel bad. It's easy to do. It is easy to do. Number ten, Carry by Europe. Okay. Is it the... No, that's Mr. Mister. Is okay. That's Kiri by Mr. Mister. <laughs> that's a good song. Yes. Yep. Carry, I don't know. Um, Kiri's good. Curious, curious. In my opinion, because I don't know "Carry by Europe" off the top of my head, is the superior of the two songs I was thinking of. There's a movie, and I don't remember the movie at all, but I remember Lake Bell is in the movie, and she says, starts singing the song, and she sings the lyric as "Carry a laser down the road that I must travel." Oh, and man. I always now I can't unhear that when I hear that song. It sounds like he's saying "Carry a laser." What movie was that? I don't know. It was her and Rob Corddry in the scene. It's funny that I remember all. Is that. it Hot Tub Time Machine? Might be. Okay. Yeah. Um, number nine, Little Eyes by Fleetwood Mac. Great song. <laughs> on my on my on my uh, super insulated Spotify playlist that keeps me from hearing anything new. <laughs> you will not hear Bad Bunny on your Fleetwood Mac. Someone pointed out the other day, like uh, like a lot of people freak out about like drama, like mm. on set or like on set or just like between people. Now, like they could not handle. Can you imagine if the internet existed when Fleetwood Mac was in its prime? <laughs> Dear Fleetwood Mac is a wild ass band, and they were still making music in the uh, late eighties. <laughs> after all, they had by been some through. <laughs> miracle. Yeah, it was still pretty good. Uh, number eight, let me be the one. Expose. Mm, I think I know the song, but I yeah, I'm not yeah. competent. In my no. Uh, number seven, Moni Moni by Billy. I hate this song. <laughs> you hate? Okay, is there a story behind your hatred for yeah, Moni Moni? It's just not a good song. <laughs> Um, I like Billy Idol, but I do not like this song. Okay. Yeah. It's just obnoxious to me. <laughs> um, Sorry. Number six, Casa- Casanova by Levert. Uh, R&B group. I, um, I might know the song. I, I know like I know this song, but I can't sing it off the top of my no, head. No, I know. I think I know it, but I'm... You're going to know this one, though. Mm. 
Number five. I think we're alone now by Tiffany. I think we're alone now. Yeah. Um, you, uh, you a Tiffany or are you a Debbie Gibson guy? <laughs> More Debbie Gibson. I mean, she was the one in. Uh, she was in um, Cronenberg. Isn't Debbie Gibson in uh, one of Cronenberg's movies? Am I crazy? Anyway. I think, I think we're alone now. I did not realize I think you were alone now was a cover, by the way. You're thinking of Debbie Harry. Debbie Harry. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I think we're alone now. I did not realize was a cover until like a few years back. And I went, oh, that's not her song. Doesn't okay. need to be anymore. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a pop, you know, staple, right? Yeah. And there was that. Didn't she have a stalker? Uh, Tiffany, I believe yeah. so, yeah. Her whole thing was she performed at malls. That was her big... Yes. Yeah. Tiffany was always kind of the... Uh, so She would have been the Christina Aguilera to Britney Spears. D- like, Debbie Gibson was kind of the Britney... Sp- Man, like, ev- like we keep going into, like, like people... There's going to be some, like, 20-year-old listening to this podcast yeah. being like, what the hell are these old yeah, talking <laughs> I haven't heard of any of the four people they are mentioning. Yeah, yet. I don't know who to compare them to modern... Wise, I don't. But no, yeah. we don't. We just found not, out who Bad Bunny I'm not, was. Not current enough. So, um, yeah, she was more of the if you get, if you catch my drift. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, Lost in Emotion by Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam at number four. I think I know it again, but yeah. I, but I can't remember it. God, Num- it sounds familiar. Number three, one of my favorite uh, Prince songs, I believe. Uh, okay. One of my favorite, like maybe my favorite Prince album. Sure. Was Sign of the Times. Uh, you Got the Look, mm. Prince. It's a good song. Your body's sick of slamming. A little underrated. If love is good. I mean, he's got so many great songs. It's, it's yeah. It, 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 the last l- lyric of that is, uh, uh, let's get to ramen. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he's usually not quite that. <laughs> quite that crass. Quite that up front. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Um, number two, causing a commotion by Madonna. I don't know this. No, one. don't know it. Uh, there's a um, no a lot of Madonna, but on YouTube TV, cable, one of our there's MTV Classic. Um, it's a station I love, and I love to throw on. And me and my buddy Davis have kind of a running joke. Anytime we see YouTube or um, MTV Classic plays like uh, there's a block of videos called House of Pop. Okay. Or totally 80s. Um, and they will play like the deepest Madonna cuts ever. Like Madonna stuff that like I didn't even know existed. And she made, she, her output is, <laughs> it was insane. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like I'm a Madonna fan. Like I, I, like I really like some of her music. Um, I think some of her poppier stuff is a lot of fun. I'm like, I'm not like a, like a virgin guy. Like I, I always thought that was kind of corny. Right. Um, but like, uh, open your heart. That's a banger. Yeah. Um, like a prayer is like I, a prayer one of my favorite killer. songs of all time. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, you and I bonded over that song. Yeah. It's a great song. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, she's got some really great stuff. Yeah. True blue. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, we will text each other whenever we see a Madonna video we've never heard of in our life. Um, it's because, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the number one song in America, The Weekend, that... I thought you were saying The Weekend. You know, I'm like, whoa. Although this, is a, time this is a big influence on The Weekend. Okay. Um, the Weekend that Prince of Darkness came out okay. in 1987. Bad. Excuse me, I burped. By Michael Jackson. Bad. Oh, man. You bad ain't bad. Is... You ain't nothing. This was one of... That's a good song. There are two... Um, the, I guess cassette tapes, but albums mm. um, that I remember from my childhood. Okay, it's being like they were like my favorite albums. Yeah, one of them was Bad by Michael Jackson, and the other one was um, uh, Bobby Brown. 
Oh yeah, um, good choices. Uh, let me try to find. Let me remember the. Uh... Well, I'll t- while you're looking it up, I'll tell you mine. My two cassette tapes that I remember the most of, like all the cassette tapes, would be the Offspring Smash. Okay. And the Mortal Kombat soundtrack. Okay. <laughs> With like KMFDM on them, on it and stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. So it was the album that my prerogative was on. You had better taste. <laughs> um, oh, that Smash is a fantastic album. I oh, it was Don't Be Cruel. Uh, Don't Be Cruel was the album. Mm. So, yeah, cause Bobby in the, uh, he was in the blazer, like the suit. Yes. Uh, with no tie and stuff. He looks sweet on it. Um, but, oh, yeah, he looks cool as hell. <laughs> you know. But this was the one. But I got really into Bobby Brown because of the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack. But is it, what's, it, what's his big his big one on the first, uh, the second soundtrack? Yeah, the second soundtrack. Well, I guess. Oh, man, Babyface did a ton of But this makes sense, though, with my musical taste, because I'm looking at this, and it's like Babyface, L.A. Reid. It's a lot of those guys that, um, yeah, Teddy that, Riley's, who worked with that, like, that Minneapolis sound. That yes, kind of, yep. ab- dude, you've got a yep. very specific. Um, I will say that uh, I went to, I've been going to these local wrestling shows once a month. Yes. There's a tag team that comes out to that song. Which one? Well, I guess oh, the like Ghostbusters song? <laughs> yeah, they're called Studio 86. Okay. And they come out and they're pretty sweet. They wear fanny packs and they wear hot pink. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Pretty cool. Anyway. So those are the top ten songs yes. in the nation. Um, this was, uh, so we're going to talk about Prince of Darkness now. Yeah. This was the number two movie in America. The weekend it came out? The weekend it came out. And then it was the number... <laughs> Yeah, this thing. Seventy-four. So this thing, yeah, this thing, like a lot of Carpenter, yeah, movies died a death. Mm-hmm. Um, what is number one? Oh, the number one movie in America that beat Prince of Darkness. Yeah, Fatal Attraction. That was a hit, man. Yeah. yeah. So that had already that was that had been out for that was a, that six was, weeks. That was in its it, it past its first month. I was going to say, but yep. yeah. So let's talk about Prince of Darkness. A group of graduate students and scientists uncover an ancient canister in an abandoned church, but when they open the container, they inadvertently unleash a strange liquid in an evil force. Uh, that yeah, that about sums it up. Um, written by John Carpenter under an alias, which we'll talk about in a little bit, um, and directed by John Carpenter. How do you want to do this? Do you want to give basic? Th- We've covered this a little bit. We have a while back. Our we did, old format when we yes. did three movies an episode, which I love doing, but I'm happy that we're not closed off to like revisiting some of those to talk about them more in depth, which hopefully we accomplish here. Yeah, let us know if if you don't want to hear. I guess you know doesn't mean we're not going to do it, but you know, let us know. Um, yeah, we talked about this. I mean, look, Prince of Darkness is. Uh, just my brief thoughts, like, it's a movie that I saw before I realized it was a John Carpenter movie. So, like, I was familiar with who John Carpenter was. You gotta remember this. This is, this is like, VHS days and, like, renting movies and just kind of grabbing it and looking at the front cover and going, all right, we'll give it a shot. And uh, I saw, But this one, I actually, I, I did not rent. I saw it on cable. Uh, it was one of those periods of time when my parents had cable. And so when we did, I knew it wouldn't last forever because they, they'd, they'd get cable for... Three to six months, and then go. Ah, it's too expensive, and then stop doing cable. Right. Yeah, I don't think that's un- that was uncommon back then. Maybe <laughs> it's not uncommon now. I don't know. But um, I watched on cable, and it, it did not realize it was a John Carpenter film um, until a couple of years after I watched it. And I was already a fan of his. I loved Halloween. I loved the thing. I knew those two were his movies. Um, I knew They Live was one of his movies. And I knew Escape from New York was one of his movies. Those are the ones I was familiar with. And why I knew I was a John Carpenter fan, even at age, let's say, 10, 
right? Or 12 whenever I saw this. This movie scared the shit out of me. Like, really had an effect on me. Um, The sequence, there's a sequence in the film, we'll talk about it, with Dennis Dunn's character locked in a closet, trapped in a closet. And it, it like, haunted my dreams. And for years, I think I, like, subconsciously, or maybe consciously, like, pushed this movie to the back of my mind because it freaked me out so bad. Like, I almost kind of forgot about it. Like, it was always there. But, like, I didn't want to think about it because it freaked me out so bad at a young age. Yeah. And I wound up when I, when the internet came about and I knew I was a Carpenter fan already and I, excuse me, I had um, explored a lot more of his filmography beyond the, like, four movies or so that I had seen. Obviously, I came across Prince of Darkness at some point when I was doing that. And I ended up renting it from somewhere or even buying a copy. I can't remember. And watching it, and as I'm watching it going, oh no, this is the movie. <laughs> and then going, shit, it's another Carpenter movie that I like. I just, it, and obviously the second time I watched it, I was a little bit more ready for it and, and really wound up loving it. And it's one of my favorite Carpenter films. And, uh, you know, he's one of my top three directors of all time. If not my top director of all time, he might be. I don't know. I'd have to really simmer on that one. Um. And it's in my top five Carpenter films. And I love pretty much all of Carpenter's movies. So uh, this might be my third in the Carpenter filmography. Okay. I think Halloween and the Thing are above this. But I think Prince of Darkness is number three for me. Um, I waffle a little bit when it gets to like three, four, and five. I kind of... I'm Big Trouble in Little China, I think, is probably three, really, realistically. And then four is Prince of Darkness, but some days I could say Prince of Darkness is... Th- I don't know. I think now, I think they're two completely different movies, but I see it, that's why it's tough to kind of compare them. But I think I've got Big Trouble solidly number three. If right? you asked me when I was un- younger, though, I would have had this probably in the middle of the pack, and I would have had like, like Escape from New York higher. This is bumped up above that for me now. Yeah, yes, Escape from I, New York is actually dropped you. for me. Yeah. Same way as you, absolutely. Yeah. Escape from New York has dropped a bit. doesn't mean I don't love it. I do. Yeah. That's dropped. They Live has even dropped a tiny bit for me. Okay. As a kid, I, I still love They Live, but as a kid, I loved it even more than like some of his scarier stuff. And now I've kind of appreciated a few more of his like like In the Mouth of Madness. Even is a movie that I I would almost say is like an on par with They Live in terms of my ranking. Yeah. And it never would have been that way. Right. When I was a kid, no way. So anyway, I love Prince of Darkness. I'm excited to talk about it. Tim, Prince of Darkness. Yeah, I think we. We kind of cover where where it stands for me. I'm with you. I've got Halloween and thing like one two. Yeah. When right, it comes to Carpenter, right. I don't I don't even hesitate with those. And it's not to say he hasn't. This though, this movie to me is like pure Carpenter. This is it's like, all of his. Stuff. It's all of his stuff yeah. rolled into about ninety minutes. Like, I mean, you've got kind of like the the world underneath the world. You've got like the team of professionals working together. Adults. Yep, adult professionals. You've got the supernatural. You've got aliens apocalyptic scale <laughs> yep apocalyptic you've got even some like some of the same camera like the like the pov camera lots of that uh, yep. study cam work yep you've got like you've got kind of the um lovecraftian influences um, it's it's, it's the got Nigel slasher Neal. elements yep so it's a siege film yes it's a siege film it takes place kind of in one location um yeah it's, i mean it's very similar you're right to like something like assault on precinct 13 absolutely and it's got it's got a hell of a carpenter cast yep he yeah always, and it's, he loved reusing guys right and so reusing you've yep. got you've got dennis dunn in here you've got uh 
Uh, Victor Wong in here. You've got um, Donald Pleasance. Donald Pleasance. It's it's definitely and this a, is the first movie with Peter Jason, who would, he would go on to everything. work with pretty much throughout the rest of his career. Uh, there's a great commentary track on the that I listened to this time around on um, the Scream Factory. On the Scream Factory blue that just came out. Whatever. It's been a while now. Yeah. Actually, I got the Steel Book when they came out with that, but. Um, Peter Jason joins him for the competition. It's very fun. Um, Carpenter's always good with because the um, Kurt Russell commentary tracks are also very fun. But he's good with uh, like people that are on the same wavelength with him. That kind of can he can bounce back and forth with friends with friends. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so this is uh, it's quite a good commentary track. But this feels like to me. So I remember this, but I'm going to reuse it because uh, when we talked about this, I made the same comparison, and we mm-hmm. brought up Prince earlier. Yeah, Prince kind of came out with his double album. Sign of the Times around this time. And that's mm-hmm. kind of like his definitive, um, that's kind of the end of classic Prince in a lot of ways. That is like... It's the final, like, the magnum opus before all the craziness with the symbol stuff started. Yes. And, yes. and it's his, it's kind of, in some ways, people point to it as his best album. And in a lot of ways, you know, it's not like, so like Purple Rain is almost perfect start to finish. There's no, it's like one of those great album, no skips, is how you refer to it. And there's some stuff on... Um, Sign of the Times, his album that I kind of skip, that I that I'll, that I'll skip past because it's not my favorite stuff. But like that's Prince too. Like all of that is him. Like that's him as an artist. It's all in this double album, and that's how Prince of Darkness feels to me. Like I don't like it's not as perfect as Halloween or the Thing, but it's John Carpenter, and it's him without any restrictions from like well, I mean budgetary restrictions, but right. from from no studio interference. Like this is kind of him in a lot of ways Unleashed. on screen. Yep. Well, no, it's, I, I, I would make the comparison, and I, maybe I did this the last time we talked about it, it's very possible, to Stephen King. Um, and uh, and It. It is the culmin. It is not a perfect book. It is not his, his best book, I don't think. Um, but It is kind of the culmination of that entire first era of his work. And it's the perfect encapsulation. It takes pieces from all the things he's done before and puts them into this, this big package. And, and, and for me, it works because it's purely King. This is purely Carpenter in that same way. It, right. We talked about all the things it collects from his other films ahead of time. And then also, like you said, sign of the times very much that it takes elements from all of Prince's previous work. And it might not be the best of those, but it, it like I said, it's the magnum opus. It's like, it's like everything's been building to this. I want to go so. through, maybe this is a good, a good idea to put on an episode. I want to go through and not find like, like a horror filmmaker or even a filmmaker, like I don't want to find their best movie. I want to find like their magnum opus, like the movie like, that's the most them, the most them. Because yeah. yeah, for me, this is kind of, this is the one I always point to with Carpenter. Like this is, this is Carpenter. Yes. This is his magnum opus. Oh, this is, this is more, when I think of Carpenter and what he is as a full, as a filmmaker, Prince of Darkness comes to mind before Halloween for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and I think before The Thing, too. Yeah. Now, if somebody said, what Carpenter movie should I watch first? I would say one of those two. For sure. However, if somebody was saying, what's like the most Carpenter movie? This is probably it. Yeah, what's, what's the movie that will give me the, an overall view of kind of him as a, as, a, as, a, as a visionary or as a filmmaker? It's, it's Prince of Darkness. Right. You know, warts and all, it's Prince of Darkness. So, yeah. All right, All so right. let's do, do the plot. I'm going to stop after. This is the Wikipedia plot summary. So what we're going to do is I'm going to read it, and then we're going to dive into it a little bit. And I've got some quotes I found at old uh, Fangoria magazine from the time of release. I believe it's Fangoria number 69, which is up for free on the Fangoria website. Number 69? Yes. Nice, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so check it out because they've put a bunch of their archives up 
and they're kind of going through and I think they're free to read because I was able to read this whole thing. Oh, sweet. So um, I think they've because there, there used to be a uh, internet archive place where you could just go right. and find a bunch, and yes. I loved it, but. Thankfully, um, Fangoria has decided, like, okay, we're going to at least get the hits on this, but we're going to do it for free. So that's very cool, and um, there's some great stuff in there. But anyway, so here is the plot. A Catholic priest invites quantum physicist Professor Howard Barak and his students to join him in the basement of a Los Angeles monastery belonging to the Brotherhood of Sleep. An old what a order- sweet name. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> An old order who communicate through dreams. The priest requires their assistance in invest- investigating a mysterious cylinder containing a swirling green liquid. Among the 13 academics present, our wisecracking Walter Fong, Demure Kelly, the highly strung Susan Kabat, and lovers Brian Marsh and Catherine Danforth. All right, so we're going to stop right there. This is what you're talking about with the um, – this is a team of – Carpenter talks about, too, like he's kind of – like this Fangoria interview is very cranky, but he mentions – make sure to mention, like, if I was working with a studio, they would want all these to be kids investigating yes. this. Yeah. But it's not. They're, like, students. They're, like, older – People, priests. And I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. You know, if this was made in the 90s, they, they would be teenagers, and it wouldn't feel the same. It wouldn't be right. Um, no, I, 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 I love... Carpenter's, Carpenter's great, too, about... Um, generally, there's a star of the show in a Carpenter movie. There's there's a standout. There's a lead, right? So, like, Jamie Lee Curtis, or um, in, in Halloween, Kurt Russell in The Thing, Kurt Russell in Big Trouble in Little China, yeah. so on and so forth. But... Even though there's a lead, I'm a sucker for an ensemble. Every form of media I've ever loved the most, video games, movies, music, uh, comic books, any of that, I always tend to gravitate towards the things that feature an ensemble, like a group of people where I can... I enjoy the interactions. I enjoy different aspects of the characters. I maybe can cling to a character or two and find them relatable or just funny or enjoyable. I like ensemble. That's the reason why I like Aliens even more than Alien. Alien is an ensemble as well, yes, but like I just I love that I love the group. I love that 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 form of storytelling where you've got a team of people. And so right away he's got me with this. And then he ca- he has an amazing cast, right? And I think all these people rule. Before we move on to the plot, like you mentioned just a a litany of all these these actors that play the uh, the grad students, and uh, I have to immediately because if I don't do it now, I don't want to forget. Give a shout out to Dennis Dunn, who is like legitimately one of my favorite actors. Like like when I think of like my 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 top act, like De- I love Dennis Dunn. The crazy thing to me is like he hasn't done a ton compared to some of his, like his like contemporaries, and uh, you know you have to wonder if that's because it's it has historically been harder for Asian actors to get roles. I think it's changing. I hope it's changing. It seems like it is. Um, I think things like Crazy Rich Asians and the popularity of that movie and um, and, and, and having more Asian voices as directors is helping. Um, and, and and things like Shang-Chi. I mean, that, 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 that those things help. They do make a difference. I don't care what anybody says. It's, 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 those things are important. But, Dennis Dunn rules, and he steals every scene he's in, and the crazy thing is, like, he's sharing scenes with, like, other actors that have done more at this point in time, in 87, um, and bigger name actors at this point, and he does the same thing in Big Trouble in Little China, 
Like like he's he's acting. Ninety percent of his his scenes are with Kurt Russell, who at that point was like was it was an established child star and and becoming um, an adult movie star in his own right, right? Not an adult film star, but an adult movie star, movie star. Um, and he somehow like overshadows Kurt Russell like multiple times in the movie. So anyway, love Dennis Dunn. Just need to get that out there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. If anybody with contacts. Anybody oh, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yo, for sure. Yeah. Somehow get us in touch with <laughs> I, Dennis Dunn. For a second, I was like content, like in the eyes because I wear contacts. Uh, <laughs> so my first I, thing I know, is like, yes, Tim. I know you've got them. You're probably in right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're driving me nuts because this one has been. Uh, I have monthlies, and this one's been in for like six months. <laughs> oh no! Uh, if anybody out there, yeah, has any sort of connections, like to get us in touch with them, like he's like a dream interview. So anyway, moving on. The other thing I want to talk about here yes. in this section is, I think this is a good place to talk about it, is. Uh, Carpenter was really into quantum physics Big at this time, and it shows. It shows. I'm not even going to attempt no. because I like if you want to go like the what is the Heisenberg um, principle, the uncertainty principle. Like Google that and find it out on your own because I'm just going to butcher it. Like I'm not a physicist. It's not teacher. worth us sitting here <laughs> no, doing it's that. Not. It's just not. It's not. It's not. Uh, you can figure it out. You can read. But I wanted to read this quote um, from Fangoria with the interview. He says, "We all try to hold." This is Carpenter. We all try to hold on to a rational structure of the universe, but the universe isn't really rational. When you learn about physics, you discover a different reality, which is even weirder and more frightening than the one we know. I've done a lot of studying of quantum physics. I wanted to find out what the newest wave of scientific research was telling us. I've incorporated much of that research into Prince of Darkness using some of the scientific reality the general public does not yet know about. <laughs> That's just funny to me, Jeff. He rules. The information already exists, but most people, me, find it too complicated complicated to comprehend that was me saying me not john uh the, pop- uh, okay. Yeah, okay. the popularity of uh the new physics is beginning to increase but many authors are are loath to write about it because it violates common sense um so a really funny quote from john there but uh i love by the way that like in 87 john's like i'm really into like quantum physics and yeah. now he's like i just want to watch basketball <laughs> He was, he's so sweet. Well, he was 39 at the time of this. Right, too. of course. So, no, I yeah, get it. I, I get can it. see why he would still be I'm 36, it. and I'm like, I just want to watch basketball. Like, I, I don't... <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. for sure. I am John Carpenter. And, like, I'm Carpenter's age here, and I'm with you. I have aged into, like, Carpenter in his You're 50s like 30 and 60s. years. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, Jack. But I do want to bring that up because he mentioned, like, order in the universe and mm. humans trying to construct order in the universe and stuff that doesn't make a ton of sense. And that's part of what he's talking about here is, like, for a lot of the unexplained, we just, like, we default, our brain defaults to, like, oh, it's, like, ghosts. It's like a ghost. It's like a, it's like a ghost. Like, as you see, when the ghost hunting shows, like, we can't explain something that happened, so it immediately goes to something that we can, we can grasp mm-hmm. um, that... Um, we cannot. The other thing too is like that's what his movies, a lot of his movies are about, is that trying to find that order. Even something like Halloween. Halloween is about something that it's uh, you can't explain Michael Myers and why he's killing in this suburban city, the suburban town. Like, and a lot of it is trying to rationalize that. That's what's scary about Halloween is like you can't explain why he's doing the things he's doing. He's just doing them. And the uh, and what I love about the, like that theme going through his work is like the. <laughs> The authority figures are the guys in charge, the ones who are trying to, like, maintain order or, like, take something purely chaotic and box it into some sort of understandable thing. 
they failed miserably in all of Carpenter's work. Like, right. They, like horribly. Right. And, and this will go all the way to like Ghost of Mars, mm-hmm. um, where that's that's an example. So like, there's a there's certainly a there is a rejection by Carpenter of authority and its attempts to try and contain things that cannot be contained. Right. For sure. All right, so they decipher an ancient text found next to the cylinder, which describes the liquid as corporeal uh, corporeal embodiment of Satan. The team also learns Jesus Christ was an extraterrestrial who was executed for heresy after trying to warn the people of Earth about the vessel in which Satan was trapped. The liquid is then discovered to be sentient. Of course, I mean, this is a pretty obvious plot. Wouldn't it be? The academics use a computer to analyze the books surrounding it and find that they included differential equations over a period of two days small jets of liquid escape from the cylinder members of the group exposed to the liquid become possessed by jets the ent- of liquid <laughs> i like that <laughs> to attack the others uh, the first victim is susan who begins killing who begins killing off the others one by one sorry my contact uh, messed up on me afterwards they become too pos- they too become possessed anyone who attempts to flee the monastery is killed by the growing mass of enthralled homeless people who have surrounded the building good job on this wikipedia man uh, summary all right we got to stop right there so jets of liquid and enthralled homeless people we are dealing with a lot here we have jesus christ as an alien and that's it <laughs> This That's, is, well, Carpenter, so the thing is, Carpenter doesn't deal with religion a ton. Starman could, is kind of pointed out as kind of like his religious movie. There's a little bit of that in Star. Well, not a little bit. Because he's a kind of a Christ-like but, figure. In, I mean, in Starman, sure. he's Christ. It's it's more of a Christ allegory than like a, uh, like, than like a, uh, than a like strict, like a very straightforward religious thing. It feels a little bit more... Like I said, like allegorical to right. me than this does. This is like, well, even this is. I mean, this is certainly more religious than any of his other work. I mean, we're dealing with the Catholic Church. We're dealing with Satan, like act like Satan, um, the son of the devil. And, and this, and then Carpenter's, um, you know, uh, interpretation like Satan is the son of the devil. Correct? Like that's the way it works. Yeah. So it's a little bit different, I think, than than maybe traditional. Uh, Christianity but uh yeah it's it is it is interesting and unique to watch him tackle some of this stuff I think he's able to like the the whole like Jesus was an alien thing feels a little bit glossed over <laughs> like it just kind of gets mentioned and then it's kind of like yes you almost wonder if maybe that was like somebody saying like let's not get too crazy with this because we don't want to piss off too many people um but I guess like what the other, the other thing that, yeah. that is like explicitly religious in this movie is this line: "You will not be saved by the Holy Ghost. You will not be saved." This is Lisa writing this later on. Um, you will not be saved by the Holy Ghost. You will not be saved by the God Plutonium. In fact, you will not be saved. Is what she writes. This is a stolen line from one of Carpenter's earlier scripts. Have I told you this before? No. Carpenter wrote a script called Meltdown. Hey, just a second. Did you click your? Uh, is your thing unplugged? All right, yes. <laughs> Carpenter wrote a script way back when that never got cre- never got filmed called Meltdown. About it was a slasher film set inside a nuclear reactor facility that was burning down. So the people were trying to escape the facility and also the serial killer who by the way uses a flamethrower for most of the film, most of the script. Um it rules. Anyway, 
Um, this is an actual. Okay. The you will not be that whole that verbatim. It's a great line. It's 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 a it's a note that the slasher or the torture, I guess, uh, in the script sends the survivors to let them know that they're going to die inside this reactor. It's sweet. Read Meltdown <laughs> if you can. It's pretty cool. Um, but also, yes, he. So this is straight out of that. It also works perfectly for this film. So I'm glad he was able to. I can't remember if it's the IMD page. Retool it. Who says? I mean. Uh, it, the god plutonium radioactive element with the atomic number 94 it's named after the roman god pluto as well yeah. who was kind of who rules the underworld yes so. which so it worked like i said it worked for meltdown yep with the whole plutonium radioactive thing but it also very much works for this so a lesson to some maybe aspiring screenwriters just because like if a if a script you have doesn't work maybe you can use some of it for another don't be afraid to retool something yep. to reuse something yep. yeah faith is a hard thing to come by these days that's a line um in this one, um, it's similar to a line in the thing, but it's also kind of like, yeah, it's, it's kind of like as you learn more about reality, questioning everything that you thought to be true before. Um, Alice Cooper, I wanted to mention real quick, because we talked a little bit like this is where I believe this is around the time he comes into the picture. Yes, he's kind of the leader of the uh, the homeless people that have gathered outside that are kind of. In tr- like in a trance or possessed almost by yes. the, the entity. Um, I think the idea here is that, like, maybe it's, it's certainly like not PC, but like that they they're somehow drawn because they're like in a weakened mental state or something. Yeah, I don't know what the anyway, but some of it's a little hazy, honestly. <laughs> yeah, uh, some of it. Be, I mean, due to the limits of this, I mean, and he's dealing with some pretty heady stuff in this movie but some of the yeah it's a little hezzy alice cooper of course kind of the legendary shock rocker um kind of seen as kind of like a a satanist type presence like like a devilish presence of the 70s son Um, of a pastor yes and also i believe a born-again christian later on in life yeah also a big golfer um when i worked at a uh i worked at a classic rock radio station for a little bit he would he would come by um i never met him but he would he would come, he would golf like they had big golf outings. Alice Cooper loves to golf. I think he lives in like Arizona, which is golf country. But yes, fun fun little story about John Carpenter and Alice Cooper that I think you'll get a kick out of, and I think some of our listeners definitely will. <laughs> Can't wait. Uh, John met. Do you know where he met John Carpenter? Or I mean, where Alice Cooper met John Carpenter? Where the two of them met? Um, do you want a hint? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Give me a hint. Yeah. It was in the city of Detroit. Oh. Uh, was it a was it a Pistons game? Close Lions game. It was in the Lions Stadium because Cooper's but, a big Lions fan. Ah, okay. He might not be anymore. Which <laughs> right? Who could blame him? But usually, if you're a Lions fan, you're a Lions fan through and through. Yes, uh, <laughs> yeah, I can, yeah. But I've met Alice Cooper, and he was wearing a Lions jersey when I met him. I will never, I will never accuse any Lions fan of being a bandwagon fan because no, anybody who has be. watched that team can't but, be. So it was in the Pontiac Silverdome. Nice. That he met him. Yep. He met him at WrestleMania 3, though. That's awesome. Yeah. Carpenter was a big um, wrestling fan at the time. I don't know if he still is. We'll, we'll uh, ask John when we interview him. Uh, yeah, uh, of course. <laughs> but uh, Alice Cooper was a part of the Jake the Snake Honky Tonk Man match. Cause, That's right. Yeah, Jake the Snake had the big snake, and Alice Cooper, of course, would always come out with the big snake as well. And um, this is uh, where he also, like, he was, I, I think he was friends with Piper at the time, too. 
and Piper was at WrestleMania three as well. Oh yeah, that makes sense. I love that yep. connection. Yeah. So he was the uh, Carpenter was just just there as a fan of wrestling, of wrestling and he yeah. met he met Alice Cooper and that's uh, really cool. Yep. Now I know they used, uh, of course, Alice Cooper's like standout scene in in the film is when he gets to kill somebody with a bicycle. Yes, a disassembled bicycle. That bicycle and that gag is actually from a stage show at the time. Ah, so okay. They, they, they literally just took his existing prop and his he would stab somebody with a bike with that bike on stage and it would fountain blood out the end and so they just used that and it worked out good. Very nice. I think yeah. Fun was, little fact for you. Wasn't the guy listening to Alice Cooper at the time? I thought that was He's like, listening to an Alice Cooper yeah. track, yes. <laughs> From I don't know what the album was that came out at that point in time. Might have been Constrictor, Constrictor. I can't remember, but yes, it was a it was a single. I think that at the time. So. This is his second best performance behind um, Wayne's World. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Yes, of course. I mean, you, who can't be beat? But well, Wayne's World is uh, that's top tier, though. I will say the Prince S-tier. of Darkness DVD has one of my favorites. At least the DVD I owned has one of my favorite covers ever because it's just a picture of creepy Alice Cooper's face <laughs> hovering over the church, and I went. <laughs> It's not terribly representative of the film, but okay. <laughs> uh, Professor, Barack, Professor Barack and the priest theorize that Satan is actually the offspring of the anti-god, an even more powerful force of evil bound to the realm of antimatter. Mm. The survivors... This, rules. <laughs> this, this is pretty uh, crazy stuff here. Um, but we'll talk about it in a second. I've got some notes on it, too. Carpenter was not under studio uh, watch here. <laughs> he was he was on his own. He was He was... It was wild. Yes. The survivors find themselves sharing a recurring dream, showing a shadowy figure emerging from the front of a ch- of the church. The hazy transmission changes slightly with each occurrence of the dream, revealing progressively more detail. The narration of the transmission each time instructs the dreamer that they are witnessing an actual broadcast from the future. I love this stuff. <laughs> yes. um, I don't know. Once again, we're not going to sit here and pretend like we know quantum physics or any of that stuff, but like... Uh, in in like I love the idea that they're having this shared dream. I love the idea that it's this vision of something that supposedly is happening in the future. I love the apocalyptic like vibe of the whole, the way they shoot the sequence. Like it's an old like handheld VHS camera. I love all of that. It's very Carpenter, and it works very well. Um, and it ties so beautifully into the end of the film. And we've said this before. I think you've agreed with me. Carpenter's the master of ending a movie. Yeah. And like more and more, I don't know if you've noticed this. I'm gonna I'm gonna speak for myself. Certainly, people don't know how to, how to end shit anymore. It's a it's a skill. People um, are kind yeah. of scared of how to end stuff, shows, movies, whatever. And I'm sure that that it has something to do with like the level of like online outcry you get when people are angry about an ending. And the sequelization of everything, too. Like, everything's got to be part of a bigger story. You have story to keep things open enough. Everything's got to be TV. Like, yep. Absolutely. So, like, I think that those two things factor in. So I don't blame, like, modern writers. I think they're, unfortunately, kind of forced into certain things. But, like, Carpenter was the master of ending a movie. So this whole broadcast from the future, like, really sets up his his final stroke in this in this movie very well. Yeah. And this is Carpenter. This stuff is Carpenter getting kind of meta. Um, and that goes back to his alias, um, his pen name for this, the alias of Martin Quatermass. Oh, Marty. Uh, this is uh, Nigel Neal. 
was a British science fiction uh, scriptwriter. Um, he wrote the Quatermass Experience experiment, I should say, yes. because that is the correct title, the Quatermass. Is this, uh, so this is the gentleman he worked on Halloween three with? This is the gentleman that worked on Halloween three with and had Who a didn't like terrible experience with him. But he's a big influence on John Carpenter, and right. you can definitely see it in this movie. Um, this Carpenter he created a he created a fictional persona for this scriptwriter Martin Quatermass, um, and here is the uh, biography from the press kit. Martin Quatermass, a native of this Carpenter created this Martin Quatermass. A native of London, England, is a former physicist and brother of Bernard Coitermas, the famous rocket scientist who headed the British rocket group during the 1950s. Martin graduated from Neil University with a degree in theoretical physics. Coitermas currently lives in Fraser Park, California with his wife, Janet. He's the author, author of two novels, Schrodinger's Revenge and Schwarzschild Radius. Um, and then Carpenter goes on to say in the interview, this guy Coitervass is the easiest writer with whom I've ever worked. He's a real nice fellow and did all the rewrites exactly the way I wanted. I wish all screenwriters were as cooperative as Martin Coitervass. <laughs> that rules, dude. Um, there is a uh, Coitervass movie called uh, Five Million Years to Earth that this has a lot in common with this movie. Okay. Has a lot in common with um and the, never seen it. The yeah, the whole plot is about yeah, evil that has lied dormant for a long time, um, growing and gaining strength over years. This whole movie is very much inspired by those works. So there you go. That's awesome. Walter trapped in a closet, much, much like R. Kelly, uh witnesses the possessed. <laughs> I can't. Did you ever watch those things? I do I, I watched uh I watched all the too many. Right. Uh, my good friend Joe, we, when we were moving to Chicago, we, um, actually, you know what? I'm trying to, I'm misremembering this right now in my head. I think he was moving to Chicago and I came and I wanted to hang out in Chicago. But anyway, we were at a hotel room. It's like uh, an entourage. You wanted to follow your buddy out. We were hanging out and we had some beers and we had the beers in the sink. You ever do the beers in the sink? Put the ice yes. in the sink and you throw the beers in the sink. We were drinking beers and, um. All of R. Kelly's trapped in the closet came out, and we go, "Oh, we're in, we're in for <laughs> the next it. two or yep. three hours." Yeah. So we watched all of it, and it was a uh, um, one of the more ridiculous things I've ever seen in my life. It's a journey. <laughs> I will never watch it again for <laughs> for reasons that I won't. You know, I'm just not going to do anything to give that guy visibility, um, right? But boy, was it a journey. <clears throat> um, anyway, my friend introduced me to trapped in the closet. Actually, funny. It enough. was a sensation at the time. It was certainly a sensation. We didn't and know, for good reason. We didn't know what we knew, what we know now about. We had family. inkling, an inkling, I think, but yes. not. Yeah. Anyway, moving <laughs> on. So, uh, so uh, trapped in the closet. Yeah, yes, Dennis Dunn is trapped in this closet right now. <laughs> yes. Uh, witnesses the possessed bringing the cylinder to a sleeping Kelly. Okay, here's where things get. This a little, is it. Yeah. Okay, all now right. Now we're talking. Right. Uh, it opens itself, and the remaining liquids transfuses into Kelly's body, causing transfuses. <laughs> it is so gross, bro. It it climbs the ceiling. Yeah, and pulls up, and this is all revealed through a flashlight, which makes it scarier. Flashlights are scary as hell, right? Yeah, I like, mean, flashlights are supposed to make you feel safe. But you use them in the dark, you cut through so, the darkness. So you never use them when you're feeling safe. And if it, if it illuminates something, like if you're outside and it illuminates something, like it's usually going to be like an animal. You don't want to see it. You're just going, ah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It illuminates glowing eyes in the woods. Yes. And you're like, no, I'm good. 
Anyway. Um, causing her to become the physical vessel of Satan, a gruesomely disfigured being with powers of telekinesis and regeneration. Kelly attempts to summon the anti-god through a dimensional portal using a mirror, but the mirror is too small and the effort fails. So this is the stuff that really freaked you out as a kid, right? Oh my god, Tim. Yeah. This is also the... Uh, it's also the, uh, the kind of racier stuff. I mean, we're getting essentially vampire movies were big around this time as well. Yes. So I think you could kind of, this isn't a straightforward vampire movie, but it has elements of a vampire mm-hmm. feature. And one of the things is kind of like the transfusion, as they said, of one thing to like from well, one it, person it, to another. And this does it through, through like <laughs> vomiting out, kind of like spitting it like, you, or, or, or through, uh, there's a there's a kiss and there's a, a, kiss. a lesbian kiss. So this is where we we've get, talked about this on our previous yes. discussion. I don't want to dig too deep into it because we have talked about this, but there I don't think it's intentional, right? But I do think that there has to be some. You have to remember it's 1987 too. This is like the year that Reagan like made his first public statement on the AIDS epidemic. Like so yes. we like I mean this had been a this the AIDS epidemic had been a disease that had kind of ravaged the gay community up until this point, but it wasn't something that was big amongst well, look, it was a, the it, country as it, a whole. It was a marginalized community. Right. And it was not receiving the attention in the media that it deserved to receive until it became, and I'm using air quotes, everybody's problem. It was Because it that's was, the way it was perceived. It was referred to as the gay disease. Yes, yep. which is horrific, and but that's what... It, it was referred to that. So, like, like I said, I don't think that... I don't think Carpenter's commenting on that in this film. I don't think that's in his... In I, what he's trying to... I don't think he's intentionally doing that. I, yeah. But I do believe that... And we talk about this. This is kind of the, the original kind of uh, mission statement of, of Horror Movie Yearbook is if you're looking at what was going on at the time the state in which the world is in or our country is in or whatever is going to, no matter how big or small, influence a creator in a certain way. It, it's impossible for it not to. I don't care what you're writing or creating. You, you could be creating some sort of like fantasy epic that's totally detached from reality. And I think there's going to be ways you're going to find the current life you're living or the, the world you're living in. You're going to find things bleeding into it. 100%. I, I mean, um so I don't think that any of that was intentional from Carpenter, but I do absolutely think that there had to be elements of that in his mind at the time, I would think. Right. And, and honestly, because, yeah, I mean, there are two major scenes in this point, and it's, yeah, the scene between the two women and also what is essentially a threesome scene. Yes. That comes a little bit later. So it's, but it is kind of, it is kind of person to person, like people, like promiscuous, like it, that's kind of how you can look at it. So, but it it also fits along with the vampire movies of the yes. time as well. Absolutely. Um, moving on from that, Carpenter's music in this movie um Score it's rules. Quite it's good. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, he talks a little bit. He throws he throws some Carpenter's not afraid to throw like shade at uh other uh creators. He throws some shade Never. at John Williams in this. He calls um he says there's two kinds of scoring in movies. One is underscore minimalist idea, which is what he tries to do in his movies. The other is something he refers to as Mickey Mousing, uh, which is similar. He he says John Williams is the most 
famous Mickey Mouser of all. Everything is scored so heavily that you haven't got a chance to miss anything. So he's basically kind of implying that a lot of, like, Jaws, like, the score in that is so heavy-handed that you aren't allowed to miss anything. So I don't know if it's throwing shade necessarily, but he's 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 saying he prefers his way, which is kind of that minimalist style. I don't disagree with what he's saying. I understand what he's saying, I should say. Right. I, and honestly, this is one of those, this is kind of a philosophical argument where I'm not even sure for the style of movie. I'm not even sure if there's a right or wrong way to go about this. So um, No, I think I think both things can work. It depends on the film. It's like the kind of stuff that John Williams was scoring at the time, and, and not that I need to defend John Williams from John Carpenter, but the kind of stuff he's, sco- he's scored throughout his career for the most part are these big, epic studio films. And... Films like that, I think, do require a really bombastic. I think of uh, I'm trying to think of like one of the bigger movies I've seen, Avengers Endgame. I hate to go back to Marvel, but here yeah. we go. Avengers Endgame, biggest movie has been beat by Avatar again yet. It will be soon. One of the biggest out, movies yeah. of all time. <laughs> yes. That score is big, and it's like bum bum. Right, it, but it needs that. It has right, to be, it's yeah. part of the. You know, Prince of Darkness doesn't need that. Halloween doesn't need that. You want that creepy kind of subtle underpinning. But one thing I'll disagree with John on is I don't think his scores are always subtle. I think that they're complementary to what's going on, but I think his his music does very much stand out and it doesn't just feel like a I wonder if he would agree when did when was this quote from? Do you know? Uh this was he talks about it a little bit on the commentary, so this would have been in the two thousands, I think probably. See I don't I don't I don't know like I think I think his music is Maybe Prince of Darkness's score is a little bit more of that ilk. Yeah, I would say Prince so, of Darkness is a little bit more subtle. Under, than, yeah, yeah, for sure. But I don't know. He's he gets bombastic. I don't think Halloween is a subtle score. No, <laughs> it's not at all. The thing is a subtle score, but that was that was more Kone. That wasn't him. Yes. Um, but like Big Trouble, like that's, that was, yeah. that's zany, bro. Yeah. Like, <laughs> He's um, not completely Assault right on three sixty. Uh, assault on three precinct. That 13. theme is like it's the same thing for an hour and, and a half. And it kills it's, every it's time. It, don't get me wrong. But yes. It is minimalist, but it's not I, subtle. There's yeah, I don't know. I it's think, like it's like one of the most memorable parts of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, while the rest of the team is occupied fighting the possessed, Kelly finds a large, wa- larger wall mirror and draws the anti god's hand through it. Catherine the only one free to act. Tackles. I love how this dummy tries to pull him through a hand mirror. Just saying, like, like this is supposed to be the 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 the, the world ending, you know, entity. Come on, <laughs> tackles Kelly, causing both of them to fall through the portal. The priest then shatters the mirror with an axe, trapping Kelly, the anti god, and Catherine in the other realm. Catherine is seen briefly on the other side of the mirror, reaching out to the portal before it closes. It's very creepy. Great shot. Yeah. Shot. Yeah. Um, immediately the possessed die. They, they did that using like mercury, I think, or something. Yeah, it was like like it was like legit mercury that they like. Yep. probably super not okay to use. But, <laughs> uh, but they they shot this thing in like thirty days. You got to get it done. Yeah, and it was, it was the eighties, man. Do what you got. They do. were they were doing worse things. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, immediately the possessed die. The street people wander away. The survivors, Brian, Walter, Professor Barack, and the priests are rescued. Um, so. We're, I think is that the end? Yeah, yeah, that's the end. So, well, oh, except for the the final, like, the final jump scare. Yeah. Uh, speaking of our Discord, uh, the uh, the founder was good, good enough to start a mini thread in the Discord. He was good enough to ruin. No, who who posted that? Not 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 the founder. What's that? Who who posted the video of the ending of Prince of Darkness? Prince of Darkness. Well, 
what it is is he started the thread of uh, you remember you're the man now dog the yes. website YTMND yes, that's right <laughs> so they used to do these things they're essentially gifts and it was just different uh, yeah. I blame the founder up, for this <laughs> waking up uh, one of my favorites is the Burger King King he wakes up it's next really to the good <laughs> but like, you know, like I'm also annoyed because because it rose the ending I lo- no it doesn't no nothing it's a good ready. ending but I love the ending the ending the, the ending really is him reaching out to touch the it's a meme is what, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the ending is that, yeah. The, that, that that moment where the score kicks in, and it's not that subtle, John, at this point. Just saying. <laughs> uh, the score kicks in. And he... Carpenter is such a good filmmaker. Like, he gets as close as he... Like, I know it seems silly, but it means a lot. Like, he gets that finger of the... Like, that actor's finger as close as humanly possible to the edge of that mirror... And then has like there's a there's a quivering and a shaking of it, and then there's a quick moment of like forward momentum, like he's going to yeah. do it, and then he cuts to black. It's not just the the it's not just the the character sticking his hand out toward the mirror. There's moment there's a moment of hesitation. There is a moment of like fear and and it, like it, the scene is so sweet. It's so it's so cool. It's one of his best endings, and he's the master of endings. He's great. Yeah, he's great at endings. He's some of my favorite. Yeah. One of my fa- like sometimes I think my favorite Carpenter ending is um, Escape from L.A. It rules. <laughs> it kicks ass. It's so good. It's so sweet. Yeah. It's such a Carpenter ending too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they live as a fa- uh, just uh, all of them. Speaking of L.A. California, this movie I want to talk. Uh, there are a couple things I want to talk about now that we're done here. This is a in my head. So I've been to California a couple times, Southern and Northern California. Yes. Yeah, I've been um, to Northern, not Southern. Okay. Yeah. So I like California a lot. So I don't want this to come off. Yeah. The way I'm going to say this, I don't want to come off bad. California, uh, your weather is the best ever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the times I've been there, I know that it can get be pretty. There could be. Don't leave there. your car parked in San Francisco. There you go. That's all I'll say. <laughs> it's just it's true. Yeah. Don't do it. Um. Yes. Uh, but I will say, like, there's a weird feeling to California. Like, there's an uneasy, like, it's, I always feel like it could, like, it, the apocalypse could come at any moment. And it's I don't know if it's the way the sun place. is, or it's just, like, the feel of it. And, like, there's an uneasy, this movie is a great uh, Southern California, California movie, like LA movie yeah. to me, like the way it's shot. A oh, lot yeah. of it is shot in, yeah, in LA, it's shot yep. on the campus of USC. This movie, like there, I remember the last time I went, I'm, I was sitting there and I was, we were driving through LA and I'm just like, man, this is Prince of Darkness right now. <laughs> oh, it, it is a very LA movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have a friend who lives in LA. Yeah. Uh, and we've talked about going and seeing her and, you know, we've told her, of course, that like one of our favorite things to do is to like visit filming locations and stuff and uh she's lived out there long enough to kind of know what's where and what's safe and what's not because there's it's it's sprawling i mean it's like it's like it's its own state just in right la and uh this is unfortunately it sounds like the area where the church from prince of darkness is which is now at like some sort of art institute is not the best <laughs> So if you're gonna go visit the visit the filming site, maybe get your picture and bounce out. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. <laughs> Related to that, so this is the first movie, and he had worked with him previously, I believe, and he he worked on Carpenter's film. But um, Gary Brian Kibbe, who's the cinematographer on this movie, okay, 
And he shot the majority. He shot a, the majority of Carpenter's movies, kind of moving forward from this point on. He shot They Live. He shot In the Mouth of Madness, Village of the Dam, Escape from L.A., Vampires, Ghosts of Mars. So, honestly, everything other than um, what's uh, memoirs and The Ward were shot by him. So the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so he was uh, he was a collaborator <laughs> with him, and this was the first time. But like, it's not um, Dean Cundey is who I always think of. Yeah, of course. Uh, Donald yeah. Morgan worked with him as well, but Dean Cundey had become. Uh, this is a quote from Carpenter. He says, "Dean has become extremely expensive, and Don is making a lot of money shooting TV commercials. Besides, Dean Cundey was busy making Who Framed Roger Rabbit in England, so there was no way he could have done uh, Prince of Darkness. He has become a highly paid cameraman. So, but that goes into like Carpenter is." working on a budget now and what it well, is so is, this was a deal he signed with uh i don't remember the name of the alive pictures yes alive. that's where i was Thank going you. next yep yeah, go ahead continue oh no you're yeah. good you're good no no sorry well no so his first was was um it was this, uh, it was this one and big, then big trouble is the first right uh, no, no, no no big trouble is his last studio his movie. last studio it was this and then it was uh they live so essentially what had happened at this point yep um he had kind of soured on studio filmmaking yes. because because of Big Trouble, Big Trouble, Big Trouble, and the Thing um, bombed, and yeah. those were yeah those were two of his movies, and they were Universal. Uh, well, the Thing was Universal Pictures, but they were studio movies. Like right. they had they bombed. Um, they would obviously catch on later on down the road. So he essentially he was he had just you can tell in this interview he is just done with Hollywood, and he wants to go into alive films. Um, they had made like it says. Eclectic Scream Fair as um, Choose Me and Trouble in Mind, like a lot of weird stuff. Spider, they were, the Spider they Woman. They were very early canon esque. Yeah. Is um, my understanding. They obtained so. Carpenter service with an unprecedented offer of complete creative control. An autonomous agreement arrangement he last enjoyed with Escape from New York in 1981. Um, commencing with Prince of Darkness, Carpenter will deliver all four, that did not happen, <laughs> modestly budgeted films within a five-year period for domestic theatrical distribution by Universal Pictures and video release via MCA Home Video. By shrewdly pre-selling the domestic and foreign theatrical video and cable TV rights, Alive will make a profit on each picture before shooting even begins. That's, which is a pretty good deal for Alive. Yes. And for Carpenter, really. I think what happened is like the reaction to this and they live was similar to a lot of his studio films and Carpenter would he would not end up making those four pictures with alive no I thought he made three though didn't he or it was just two? these two okay. I think the third one yeah was going to and then he he did not make another movie for four years and then he came back with memoirs which was a uh, studio uh, for gun uh, yeah. gun for hires type movie um because that is that is very honestly that might be the most uncarpenter movie other than the ward i think that's him at his most i think jaded and over it yes yeah there is very little of carpenter that seeps through that movie i think there are a couple of the yuppie characters i think feel like something carpenter would enjoy <laughs> but that movie does not feel like john carpenter at all no i think he gets back so this to me is yeah, kind of a capper on that first that big era of Carpenter movies, um, and then They I Live agree. is kind of like a fun little epilogue. I, I, they Live is very good, but I enjoy it quite a bit. But this feels like a capper on everything that came before. Yes, I don't think he makes. I think he makes one more really good, maybe great movie in in the Mouth of Madness. Yes, I do think he makes a couple other good movies. Me I, too. I I legitimately think Village of the Damned is pretty good. Okay, I I think I think it gets kind of. I don't think it's perfect, but I think it's I think it's actually pretty good. I think it's I think it's underrated in Carpenter's filmography. 
But once again, like I think his filmography is so strong that like it's tough to when I say underrated, it's like yeah, it's low on the list. Like because right. yeah. Um I also I love Escape from LA. Like that that movie is like grown on me over the years like a ton. Uh, yeah, Escape from LA and Vampires are fun for me. Yes. Escape from LA though I like better than Vampires. I just think they're fun. I don't yes. know if I'd call Escape from LA great, but honestly, I think we've talked about this. I kind of love it though. I kind of would I would throw an Escape from LA before New York right now. Yes. Yeah. Cuz it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yes. And then Vampires I think is is I think there's stuff to like there. I think it I don't think it ever quite lives up to its like first like 20 minutes. Right. But I do think there's a lot of fun to be had there. So, and I think Woods is a, a lot of fun in that movie as the main. Yes, he's yes. great. He's, he's great. Very good in that. Movie. Um, after that, you know, I I want to love Ghost of Mars. I just can't do it. I just I keep trying. Ghost of Mars it has his trademark. So if you're a Carpenter fan, like you can find of course, stuff. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can find stuff to analyze. But you, have you ever really felt yourself like enjoying I, it? Really. No. I mean, no, and honestly, I, I've tried to rewatch. It's kind of one of those ones I've revisited um, in hopes yeah. to like kind of find, but it just it feels like it's like it's like when your favorite band releases an album that kind of sounds like their best stuff. It's like Saint Anger, <laughs> all right. Well, no, because Saint Anger sounds nothing like all right. Uh, old so. Metallica. It's like if well, I guess it would be. Is uh, it I Reload? We kind of like, kinda like uh, one of their last couple albums that maybe where they're trying to recapture some of that earlier sound. I gotcha, but. I would say even those are b- more interesting than I think. Um, Man, what's a good musical example? So uh, yeah, I'm. Is there one? There probably is. It's just I'm blanking yeah, at it right yeah. now. But if let's say if Metallica are like we're gonna go back, we're gonna make a thrash metal album, and then they really say you're like you guys are like seventy, man. This is this stop. Is <laughs> yes. Anyway, the, yeah, that would be what I was thinking. But yeah, there we go. Um, Okay, that I, th- I think we're going to wrap it up here. All right. For, uh, I want to do the Fangoria Classified stuff. So Let's do stuff. it real quick. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, there's some good stuff in here. The Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness is from number 69. Um, I'm so glad you reminded us. I wanted us. to uh, say that one more time. I, I knew you wanted to. <laughs> it's so resist. funny because the pictures are just flat-out spoilers of this movie. Really? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can get Rocket Robin. This is the Classifieds. Yep. Nasty Fashion Print. To wear and to tear. Mm. So that's in the uh, classified ad. I just wanted to point that Very out. Very saucy. Quick. Very saucy. But we want what we like here are the free subscriber ads. This gives you one of the best. Essentially, what this is is like you could just write into Fangoria whatever you wanted, pretty much. And if they, it was okay to print, they would print it. And this is people just saying like, "This is number one. This is the best." My favorites. These are my favorite things going on in 1987. Uh, so, for example, Psycho, Psycho, Whore Dog. Sias the Wang rules. Fangoria Reanimator Chainsaw Massacre One and Two. I'm a madman. Ooh. Uh, Clive Barker Number One. Books of Blood Number One. Jason lives forever. Hell yeah. Uh, Jason Leatherface and Freddy are rad in Friday the Thirteenth. Jason lives. Texas Chainsaw Two and Nightmare on Elm Street Three. Dream Warriors. Good taste. Uh, what's funny is we've gotten a couple of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 defenders early on in this, and I recall that not being particularly well-liked. Uh, yeah, I don't remember that. <laughs> Get that movie. Fuck. <laughs> King, Romero, Savini are awesome dudes. Bear, bears are forever and live far away. Bear, I love you. <laughs> 
Pirates. Okay. Superstar Billy Graham. Kiss. Alice Cooper. Hell yeah. Fright Night. Trick or Treat. And White Sister, number one. Dude had me at Superstar Billy Graham. Let's go. <laughs> and then he went with Kiss Alex Cooper, Fright Night. Yeah, that guy rocks. Um, let's see if we can find another one. That we, guy's sweet. We love you, Jason Voorhees. Keep them coming. Leatherface for president. I texted you this one here because it says, for me, it's night oh, of... Oh, yeah. <laughs> this guy goes... I, I knew what you... Person. Yeah. For me, it's Night of the Living Debbie every night. And so when I read that, I laughed, like, out loud. His girlfriend's name is probably Debbie. His girlfriend's name is probably Debbie. And yeah, he's, he's like, hey, he's hey, giving yeah, her a shot. baby. I read it, and the way I read it is like, it, it's weird because it makes no sense in my head how I read it. You read it Night of the Little Debbie. Night of the Little Debbie. Which is very funny. It's very funny, but you also have to know, you have to have the context of the title being Night of the Living Dead. So in my head, I somehow, like, got those two mixed up <laughs> and i was I laughing what you meant when you texted that and i was like yeah that's pretty good yeah it's just some dude who loves little debbies yeah well i mean who doesn't you got a favorite little debbie Ooh, yes i do um little debbie makes oatmeal cream yes they do they're they're they are so unbelievably bad for you like oh yeah for sure as bad as it gets but like also Fin- like I haven't had one in years. What am I? Why am I? Why am I? Why am I robbing myself of little debbies on occasion? <laughs> I'm not gonna do them all the time. No, right, I'm right. Not gonna get out of control, you know. I mean, um, I don't know. and so what's your favorite little Debbie? Uh, so a little bit of background, my dad. You have a vested interest in. Yeah, I do. Um, used to have a, a little Debbie truck in my driveway. Uh, Is it full? Are, so are retired at this point? No, but he doesn't have the truck. Oh, that's sad. So, yeah, he's, uh, but he, he has a track. And here's a little uh, fun fact about Little Debbie's. The stale, like, you would have to pull the expired stuff. Of course. It's not technically expired. It's just like no, a Best Buy. but bakery stuff gets stale before it expires. Yes. Always. But the thing is with Little Debbie's, it does not matter because they've got so much stuff in them. And, like, so, like, it would just be, like, a box of stale stuff, and I would just be rifling through Oh, it. yeah. And I'd be like, I like the, I like a lot of them. Um, the, I liked the strawberry shortcake rolls when I was a kid. But Those like, are good. Uh, Nutty Bars are good. Star Crunch were really good. I was big into Star Crunch. All right. Um, I was a brownie guy. Um, there were there are very few I did not like. Those oatmeal cream pies, dude. Yeah, the cream pies are, are that's really good. The, that's the... You can squeeze that son of a bitch and like the, <laughs> the, the marshmallow yeah, get, yeah. like filling comes out. Dude. You get the big ones, too. You get the gas station. You, they got the big... The bigger forget, ones. Forget about it. <laughs> I used to uh, eat those things. Oh. <laughs> My wife told me I had to cut down. <laughs> My chest was hurting. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, it wasn't. But, yeah. Here, uh, a couple more here. Here's a hot take. Yes. Howard the Duck was great. Fuck yeah, it was. It was sweet. What? What is the debate here? <laughs> Don't believe what those film critics say because they are all wrong. They are. What? Is it bad? <laughs> is Howard the Duck bad? I... This is a movie that I've never understood, like, the hate for. Why do people think that... Like I think it was I think it's the Lucas name on it maybe, but like like if you don't like it, fine. Because <laughs> George Lucas never made but a like, bad film. <laughs> Howard the Duck's kind of achieving what it sets out to achieve. It's I think it's a ridiculous like if it's you're an, if you're not familiar with Howard the Duck, but even then it's the eighties like we're all like, I didn't know Howard the Duck was a comic book character until years later. I saw the movie and I was like this is hilarious. The duck rules. Yeah, there's duck boobs in the movie. 
It's fantastic. What are we? What are we complaining anyway? Continue. This guy. This guy gets it. Here's an eclectic guy here. Okay. Uh, Whitney Houston, Michael mm-hmm. J. Fox, Huey Lewis, Chicago, Night Court, Cheers, Pornos, number one. Um, <laughs> I like all the stuff he just mentioned. <laughs> Sweet. So Chicago, I assume he means the band. Yes. He, he not the musical. The yeah, the music. Maybe yeah. the city? Ah, he had it right in the middle of the musical, right? Yeah, so I assume he means the band. Yeah. I used to love Night Court. I uh, like Chicago. I like Night Court. I like Michael J. Fox. I like porn. We're good. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, Stephen King, aha, and yeah. my cousins rock. Hell yeah. I don't know your cousins. Stephen King, aha, down. Love it. I'm going to try to find one more here, and then we'll get out of here. He's the best, dude. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, here we go. Fangoria rules. Pink Floyd, Kiss, and Rat are number one. <laughs> I've seen Rat live. You have, yes. I have, yeah. What's the lead, was, do you know the lead singer? What's his name? No, I don't remember his name. I think he's a silly name, though. Um, I saw <laughs> I them like he does with, too. They opened for, um, I saw him at Pine Knob, which is now Pine Knob again, by the way. Okay. Delight. It's called Ooh. Pine Knob again. It's not DTE, uh, what was it? DTE Energy Music Theater for a while. Yeah. Um. And they opened for Def Leppard. That's quite the show. Def Leppard was sweet. Yeah. Uh, Rat was... They were Rat. <laughs> they, they were pretty good. Um, but what was, the, what was their big hit? Uh, round, round and Round. round. Yep, yep. They had, they had, they had, they had another one too, right? Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, they did for sure. Uh, God, I don't remember what the name... Stephen Piercy, I think? Okay. Maybe Stephen th- Piercy. I thought he had a sillier name than that. Me too. It's disappointing. I'm very disappointing. <laughs> Very he, like if you see a picture of the guy, you go yeah he needs a a zanier name than than that so, um, but yeah round and round was the big the big uh, the big jam so that's it I think we have done that Prince of Darkness it. in nineteen October the last week of October the nineteen eighty seven Justice yep. so there you go. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. We're out of the time machine. We are going to, our next major episode, uh, we've got a Tiny Terror coming out where we talk a little bit about Scream. Um, we talk a little yes. bit about, I'm doing the uh, Roman Reigns thing out of it, like the- Mega Man? Doing the punch. Yeah. <laughs> Cocked and loaded here. Um, just for no reason. Um, we, t- we talk a little bit about Morbius. The Morb. Yeah. We try to remember things from a movie I watched three days ago. <laughs> yeah. Like, Morbius. <laughs> that's so funny. That that is the perfect encapsulation of Morbius, though. Yeah. But Hilarious. then uh, our next main episode is going to come out around Christmas time, and we're going to be talking about toys. We're going to be talking about horror action figures, toys. Yep. Um, It'll branch into non-horror stuff. I yes. know it will, but like, yeah. Willie's going to teach me a little bit. I'm not. Willie's, Willie likes toys. Willie, you're a big toy guy, right? Well. It's it's yes. Uh, now I am. I I was not for a while. It's is it okay if I call them toys. I don't know. Like yeah, I don't care. Okay, I don't know. Like well, I don't know if like some people call them figures. Pay, hey, I'm a grown ass man. And I paid for them with my grown ass man <laughs> yes. job. So yes, I will call them toys. Okay. No, in all seriousness, uh, I I was big on toys when I was a kid. I got too cool for school. I sold all my toys in a garage sale. Yeah. And then I think I've been living with like this weird like regret. Ever, no, I'm just kidding. I don't really care. No, it's fine. But no, in all seriousness, I uh, I've gotten more into them now. 
Uh, I've always liked the Legos. I've been into Legos, but like now I've got. You've always been like, a Lego guy, yeah. Well, I mean, you're you're in my basement. You guys can't see it. Listening. Sorry about that. I maybe sorry about that. Um, but uh, there's toys, uh, kind of all over, right? Yeah. So no, I like That's, toys. Yeah. Yeah, and we've got, I mean, you've got horror toys looking right at me. There's my man from Resident Evil. I got Wesker, yeah. President Wesker. Uh, I need to build him a a desk like he's in the Oval Office, though, so he can be President <laughs> Wesker. Uh, but no, I've got some horror toys. i got my horror corner on the wall there. I've got my Jack Burton, my zombie Kevin Smith, signed by Kevin Smith. Oh, Clerks 3 is out to rent. <laughs> it is. We've got to do that. Uh, we got, well, we got, i I got to see that. Um, i got Radu, which was a gift from you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, no uh, I've got. I've got. We'll talk about them. Yeah. I what I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna go up to our local comic book shop, and I'm just gonna walk around, and because they have some incredible horror toys. Yes, they do. Yes. Um, and I will walk around, and I will come prepared next time. So my favorite is the is the buff Michael Myers. Yeah. From Resurrection, though, because the box <laughs> is Halloween Resurrection, and yeah. he's jacked so big that like his sleeves have come off. That's my favorite toy. So that's what we'll be talking about for our Christmas episode this yes. year. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Take care.